Hello, and welcome to The Gaggle, a podcast where journalists talk Arizona politics. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national political reporter with the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Today, I want to take you inside a story that I've been working on. It's about how some women, these are oftentimes dubbed the suburban women in Arizona, feel like politicians and candidates and all of these outside groups that are airing loads and loads of ads aren't really hearing their voices and aren't speaking to them about the issues they care most about. But before we begin, let me take you back. On August 28th, with Arizona's primary election results coming in, it became clear pretty early on that as the numbers added up, the two contenders for Arizona's open Senate seat were going to be Kirsten Sinema and Martha McSally. These are two top recruits from both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. So that meant that come November, Arizona will elect its first ever female senator. This is definitely a big moment. A lot of people, of course, are calling this midterm cycle the year of the woman. And it's not just because there are so many women running for office in Arizona. It's because there are so many women running across the country. The 2018 midterm elections had more women running for office than any other election in American history. Here in Arizona, we had tons and tons of women, lots of first-time candidates, testing their hand to see what it would look like if they were to run from everything from the state legislature to the Maricopa County Clerk of the Court. So politicians traditionally target this female constituency. They see women, they dub them the suburban women, as a very large group that could actually affect the results come November. Women, especially college graduates, have tended to shift away from the Republican Party in recent years. They are trending more democratic and more independent. That means every single candidate, every single ballot initiative, every single campaign, if they want to be successful, has to speak specifically to this group of women. For me, as a reporter, it's obviously super important to talk to a lot of sources, to talk to real voters, everyday Arizonans, and to get out of the newsroom um, to get a sense of what they care about. I wanted to hear from some of these women who these politicians are desperately trying to reach to really find out what they care about. So what do they care about? What issues are going to determine how they vote? Well, in early September, six voters came to the ninth floor of the Arizona Republic's newsroom in downtown Phoenix. And we talked. Their backgrounds were different. We had two Republicans, two Independents, two Democrats. Their experiences were varied. As we sat and discussed, though, there were pretty key concerns that everyone seemed to share. From education to health care to attack ads. They really don't like the attack ads. Towards the end of our conversation, one moment really stood out for me. Final question. I know when I put my kids to bed at night, I wonder, you know, what tomorrow's going to look like, what, it's gonna, what things are going to look like down the road. What is the number one issue when we're talking about government and politics? What keeps you all up at night? One woman brought up how today's hyper-partisan political climate isn't just playing out on TV or, you know, in some backroom uh, Oval Office that Americans won't ever some Americans won't ever really see. It's really affected her own life in a very real way. And then the woman sitting in front of her, Quailan Bersati, immediately reacted. May I say something? She's a business owner and mom. She's of Indian descent. 
And she's from the North Valley. She considers herself an independent-minded voter who casts her ballot based on the issues and the people that she likes, not necessarily about the party they belong to. She was very emotional. Uh, and then she said this. So I, I homeschool. Um, my daughter had two incidents at public school since we've moved here in Arizona. All that I control is my daughter. I took her out, I run our businesses, and I homeschool her. She's my priority. I put her in summer school this year, and when, you know, I might get a little shaky, but this is the thing. A lot of us adults say some mean stuff, especially behind social media. But I will tell you this, it's just like jet engine fuel. It has to fall somewhere. It falls down to us, right? That hate falls somewhere, and it falls down to my kid. When she's in summer school playing and having fun and some other kid comes up and points to her and calls her a friggin' terrorist, that's hurtful. I'm not saying it's Arizona, I'm saying it's the time. I'm saying the last year's gotten really thicker and happening more consistently, and I'm aware of it. I may not bring it up, but I'm aware of it. And for me, four years before, four and a half years was a lot different than this last two years. For me personally, that's all I'm saying. I walked away from that conversation with those women really thinking for days, really, about what Kwailan had to say. And her story really has illustrated how she and other women, every day, again, everyday Arizonans are really grappling with how to navigate today's um, political climate. She was passionate, and it was clear that she felt the way she felt because of her life experiences. And I knew that there was something there, and I wanted to go back to it. Kwailan is a small business owner. She has a young child. And like I said, she's kind of the ultimate example of um, kind of the biracial experience. She lives in the suburbs. She has independent leanings. She's college educated. And this is exactly the type of person that politicians are targeting. So with all the drama of Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court playing out, I decided to call her back. Okay, so I'm Kylan Barsotti. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I am a homeschooling parent. Um, I am 40 this year. This time, I just wanted to talk with her about Kavanaugh's nomination. I wanted to get a sense of how it felt for her as a suburban woman to watch all of these allegations be made against Kavanaugh and to get a sense of how she felt about how the senators and the White House was responding to the allegations. Just as a warning to our listeners, the next part of this conversation includes discussions of abuse. Other breaking news that's also emerging right now, this time out of Washington. A woman says the president's U.S. Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, assaulted her when she and Kavanaugh were both in high school. Brett Kavanaugh has been accused of sexual misconduct, accusations that he vehemently denies. He is scheduled to testify on the matter later this week. In fact, we're still stuck in this moment and we're not being heard. Mm-hmm. That there needs to be an investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm really shocked and disgusted with my fellow females. What that are that just letting it go. Mm-hmm. They're just letting it go. They don't care. And I've had, I've been a victim myself of, <laughs> I wish I could tell you just one thing, but my whole life. And I'm just shocked that, because I know I'm not the only one, that so many more of us who've gone through it aren't standing up and helping give a voice mm-hmm. and add reason and not keep it, not make it emotional, but most men have female daughters. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm actually quite shocked that um, we're playing party lines and not. My whole thing is humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm different than even in even in the Democrats. I'm different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't voice up too often because they get passionate about one thing or the other thing. I'm not there with them. I'm more humanity point of making sure it doesn't happen to our kids. That's where I come from. Mm-hmm. So does it does it make you feel a particular way about the candidates that are in the Senate race? That's the other thing. Like, there's no speaking up about it. And I look at Nick Sally, like, all her heat, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, marketing platform that he, she's using, and even with Kristen Cinema, who I'm not, I wasn't the biggest fan of. However, like even using that ad to describe her and not finishing it, and just you know, it's lying by omission. It's sad. It's we don't mm-hmm. have women that speak up for us. We have women that cower to men. Mm. And um, and and political um, <clears throat> labels mm-hmm. and boundaries. And that's not what the that's not politician's office is about is being the voice of the people. I think what was surprising from that excerpt of the conversation with Quailan was that she isn't just holding men accountable for their reactions to the accusations. She's holding female candidates and elected officials accountable for refusing to be more vocal um, about making sure that there was a thorough investigation, something that she thinks should happen before Kavanaugh um, is appointed or nominated to the Supreme Court. In her view, she doesn't necessarily know who to believe. She doesn't know if the events involving Kavanaugh actually happened. But she does know this. She knows that she's had her own experiences with men, experiences that were not so great. And she knows that if she was on the other side of the accusation against Kavanaugh, she would want someone to look into the allegations. All we want are politicians to represent our voice and not ignore us. Okay. We want representatives, especially the female, who will speak on behalf of being a female and just doesn't continue to use fear, mm-hmm. like Nick Sally, like Karen Fan, mm-hmm. and be part of the old boys club. We don't want that. We don't want the old boys club. We want the people's club. Um, and is it fair to say that you you vote more or based on the candidate, candidate by candidate, issue by issue, not just by party line? No, not by party lines at okay. all. Okay. But after this whole thing, after the cabinet, I am thing. a Democrat. After no, after the election, and then the whole slippery slide we've been on this whole last year. Uh huh. When kids are being put in detention centers and private. People are making hundreds of dollars off of them per night. Mm-hmm. I would never line up with that party ever okay. until they rebuke that behavior and go back to traditional Republican values and norms, not this. So do you feel like you are being adequately represented on Capitol Hill? Not at all. Not at all. When you have lobbyists who can go in there and pretty much set agenda and have the bills prepared and, and, and just handed in to whatever rep they've been on the payroll for. I mean, no, I don't want any lobbyists. I don't want any dirty money. I want people that represent their constituents, that hold town halls, that have an exchange of meeting of minds. I would like the old school way, the, what our forefathers put in there. We are not meant to be governed 
by people who choose not to hear us. Mm-hmm. And what's your what's your hope um, for the candidates here in Arizona who, um, you know, may at some point have to grapple with the kind of you know scenario that is is um, really has embroiled Capitol Hill with the Kavanaugh hearing. My hope is that they listen to their constituents, because if they do, they will reflect our our moral compass. They will reflect our basic tenets of humanity, and they're not. They're only docking their big money, their capitalism, which is fine, since I love it, but they're only docking what supports them, what lines their pockets, because we're in a place where Finding out the truth should be the finding out the truth should be the first thing we want to do instead it's just pushing this nomination through like nobody's business and it's scary it's really scary because if this person has anything to do with changing important things that we've come a long way for, we undo that it's just it's scary for my daughter for me to think of her growing up. What are you what are you hoping that what are you ho- in terms of the environment that she grows up in? What are you what are you hoping that looks like? Hmm. I'm hoping that people can be able to speak their truth without fear. I'm hoping that politicians recognize all that was wrong that we've created and allowed to happen by being lazy and not paying attention and holding them accountable. I'm hoping through all this muck and mess that a bunch of people are activated to pay attention to what's going on and not be lazy. I'm hoping that she is able to speak and open her mouth if something's not feeling right or not moving along through the legal process correctly. If that she could be heard or, or she, by opening her mouth, she's given some credibility. And don't get me wrong, if somebody opens their mouth and does something and this is all a front, I want them to be prosecuted 100% for wasting police time and investigative time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that all people are automatically victims. It means that all people will be given the opportunity to prove their case or try. Okay. Well, thank you, Quella. Keep doing what you're doing, girl. Thank you. Have a good day, okay? All right. You too. Bye-bye. So I think what I learned from her and what you could probably learn from her and what candidates could probably learn from her is that she is very deeply dissatisfied with the status quo. She feels pretty disconnected from the candidates and the politicians who are you know, running this country, who are running this state. She's um, concerned that they don't stand up um, vocally enough to take on specific issues. She feels as though they are wishy-washy when it comes to other issues. And she's just really looking for someone to believe in. She's looking for someone who will put this country on what she deems the right path 
and will encourage a climate and set a tone when talking about issues and politics that is healthy. And when that happens, she says she will feel comfortable sending her daughter back to public school. So how Kwailan and women like her make their voices heard in the general election, I think will be really closely watched by both the Republican Party and the Democratic parties. And their voices for sure will help define how candidates respond to issues that are important to them, not just this cycle, but in 2020 and for certain, I'm sure, beyond. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Gaggle podcast. I hope you found Kwailan's story interesting. And if you have any questions or comments, you can find me, of course, always on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. Also, you might have noticed that we've been experimenting with our show. We want to make a show that you love and want to share. So we created a survey where you can help us do just that. It's only 10 questions and takes an average of five minutes, even less if you're quick on the keyboard. It'll help us out a lot. You can find the survey by clicking the notes of this episode. You can find new episodes of The Gaggle every Wednesday. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. It helps others find the show. This episode was edited and produced by Lauren Aguirre, Taylor Seeley, Taya Price, and Kayla White. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.